Welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. Hi, welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm Leanne Spencer, your host. And my guest this week uh, is going to teach us all about how you can overcome infertility and create healthy babies and happy families. Her name is Gabriella Rosa. Um, Gabriella is part of a networking group that I'm also a member of. She's based out in Australia. And over the last two decades, she's been helping thousands of couples to overcome infertility and miscarriages, even when other treatments have failed. Gabriella is an internationally renowned fertility specialist. She's a naturopathic doctor and the founder of the Natural Fertility Breakthrough Company. Uh, the website is naturalfertilitybreakthrough.com. And if you go onto that website, you'll see the seven day fertility challenge, which is kicking off pretty soon as well. So that's something you might want to jump on and, and take part in. Um, Gabrielle has helped babies be birthed in every continent in the world. So don't be put off that she's in Australia and you may be listening in the UK or some other part of the world. Um, she's highly qualified. She has a Master's of Science in Medicine, which is Reproductive Health and Human Genetics from Sydney University, a Bachelor of Health Science, um, and is also trained in numerous disciplines, including naturopathy, nutrition, herbal medicine, counselling, mind, body and energy therapy. So she's also the author of three books, Eat Your Way to Parenthood, The Diet Secrets of Highly Fertile Couples. And we talk about all of her methods, all of her experience in helping many, many different couples to to get pregnant. It's, um, it's incredible actually, the amount of success that she's had. And she's a really interesting, highly educated and entertaining person to talk to. So enjoy the show. If you've got any questions for Gabrielle or I, uh, you can drop me an email at leanne at bodyshopperformance.com and everything we talk about is in the show notes. Enjoy the show, here's Gabriella Rosa. Gabriella, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, it's wonderful to be here. Yeah, no, thanks for making the time. I know you're on the other side of the world and it's evening for you, so we really appreciate it. Um, there's so much I want to talk to you about, so let's go straight in if that's all right with you. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, describe to me what it is you do, and then if you would, just a bit of background as to how you got into to this line of work. Or what, what yeah. You yeah, look, it, it's a great question. You know, I, what we do is essentially we help couples overcome infertility and miscarriages, you know, even when other treatments have failed. And I think that perhaps what differentiates how we do what we do is that we really focus on difficult situations, difficult cases, couples that have tried what they felt like was everything and nothing has worked. Mm. You know, that's what we kind of really focus on. Um, and there's, there's quite a few. In fact, yesterday, I, I almost have to share this because it's, it so deeply touched me. We had a couple who had done one of our programs online, which is just a free, a free program that we run. And they had had 26 miscarriages in the time prior to completing that program and one stillbirth and they went through and they did that you know education piece and completely transformed their life their health everything that they do in their day-to-day and they yesterday were announcing the birth of their baby boy you know for me that was just like I, i i literally when i saw it and i read it i was like i had a tear of gratitude because you know it's it's not every day that you get such a tangible, uh, I guess, you know, proof, but also acknowledgement of mm. how making good changes, make, making good decisions in terms of one's health, so dramatically optimizes not only their chance to be vital and be healthier and be at their you know, ideal body weight, but also be at that place where they can 
have the healthy baby of their dreams if mm. it's been eluding them for so many years. You know, they, this couple had been going at it for years. And you can imagine, you know, after a while, it just gets really tiring in every sense. You know, don't even think about wanting to have sex. I mean, that's like, that goes out the window probably after the first year. You know, it's everything else that builds upon that, um, that becomes really challenging for a couple's, you know, their self-esteem, their self-image. There's, there's a whole lot of, uh, I guess, issues that arise from that challenge, from that difficulty. And if only couples knew how, it's never easy, by the way, it's never a walk in the park. It's always going to be work. You know, it's always going to be uh, putting in place very systematically and very methodically what needs to change in order to optimise their chances. But it's certainly much easier than, than doing the same thing over and over again and continuing to have the same lack of results. <clears throat> So from that perspective, I think it's, it's really, it's almost, um, it's, impo it's important to note, you know, how it is actually possible. And I think that so many people lose that faith after a while that it's possible and that they can actually do something about their particular situation. So I started doing this fresh out of high school, you know, <laughs> I literally went straight into studying to become a naturopathic doctor. And I did that and, you know, graduated, uh, I think I was 20 when I saw my first patient, you know, and so, yes, I'm going to be 40 next year. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a while, you know, it's been obviously almost 20 years and it's something that has grown with me almost and it has grown on me so much in terms of you know the the results that we see for our patients and the things that they are able to achieve by putting in place some of the strategies that obviously we we know you know most couples if i was to say to you you know what are the things that you need to do in order to have the healthiest possible baby for a woman who's pregnant right this minute she would rattle off a whole lot of things mm. that she should be doing, that she shouldn't be doing, things that, you know, she knows that she needs to change or that her partner needs to change or whatever, right? And so ultimately, you know, deep down, and I'm sure even for your clients, you know, if you were to ask them, what is it that you need to, know, to do to be at your healthiest and to be the very best version of yourself? They would also be able to rattle off a whole lot of things. You know, they would mm. say that they need to sleep well, exercise, you know, eat healthy food or whatever and so what happens a lot of the time is not that people lack the knowledge of what it is that they need to do or lack the understanding that there are things that they can put in place it's that they don't really truly deep down believe that it's going to make a difference mm. right and that also they don't feel like sometimes they might be trying things they might be doing things and they feel like the results just not not arriving not getting there and they're not digging deep enough to be able to actually get that result. They're doing things on the surface and thinking that that's everything that there is. Mm. And they often get exhausted just by treading water, you know, for a long period of time. And so sometimes it's really about looking, taking stock and understanding that, okay, I know that these things make a difference. And if I can implement the, the strategies that are going to help me, that are going to make a difference, but that also will have a deep and lasting effect on my biochemistry, on my emotional component, on my physical aspects, on you know the, the different category reasons as to why fertility problems happen as well as miscarriages happen, then you know it changes the whole conversation. Because a lot of times 
a couple will go to their GP, you know, if they're having difficulty conceiving or if they feel like they're, they're struggling to keep a pregnancy to term or whatever. And they will have a conversation that kind of goes like this, you know, so tell me what brings you here. The doctor will basically, you know, look at them for two seconds and say, right, um, you need to go to IVF right, without having a conversation about what, and mind you, IVF is a fantastic tool. Like I have nothing against it. There are couples that will never conceive without it. Yet there are so many couples who they feel and believe that that is the magic bullet, right? Mm -hmm. That that is the thing that if they just do that, then everything is going to work. Everything is going to be fine. They're going to be finally pregnant, have a baby, and everyone's going to live happily ever after, right? And when that doesn't happen, not only the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, the 23rd time, which we actually had a patient that had last year that had a little baby who had done 23 failed IVF cycles. And these were not transfers. These were actually full stimulated cycles. And after all that time, you've got to start questioning. I mean, I personally probably would have started questioning myself after the first because I would have gone, hang on a second. you know, mm. <laughs> like, But you know, I know that so many people come and tell me when I tell them this story, they go, oh my God, I don't think that I would have gone past the third. You know, it's a mm. big, hugely onerous process mm. to go through and to put one's body through, let alone, you know, twice, three times, four times, five times, let alone 23 times. So in that particular situation, what ended up happening with this couple is that they decided that um, they were going to, you know, they, they kind of had in their mind that they would never conceive naturally or without IVF, right? But they wanted to do everything they possibly could because ultimately what they were doing wasn't working. So they came to me and then we had a conversation that started a little bit like, well, this is not working. We know that we need to have IVF because we've never conceived naturally before and we just want to do everything we possibly can to give ourselves the best possible chance. So we went, okay, great. Let's go through and put everything in place that we need to put in place. You know, the 11 pillars of fertility based on our seven method, uh, you know, fertile method. And they basically, <laughs> it was funny actually, because they did all of those things. And then they, they said to me, okay, we're ready. Well, we said to them, you're ready to start trying. Why don't you try a couple of times before you go down the IVF path? And again, that conversation came up where they were going, no, but we don't need to do that because we know that we're not going to get pregnant that way. So we said, okay, look, fine, let's go and do IVF. So we did IVF. We couldn't transfer straight away. Her lining was a little bit too thick. So we froze the embryo and said to them, look, try this next cycle because you need a cycle to be able to get your endometrium to be at the right thickness anyway. So try naturally this cycle, just you know, see what happens. What happened next is that the very next cycle, we were waiting for a period to be able to go into the transfer. The period was late. We went, had a test, pregnant naturally. Right, in between that whole process. So again, you know, when we look at a situation like that, for me, the question is never, you know, is this a possible situation? Is this something that's ever going to happen? The question is, what is actually getting in the way that's making mm. it not possible? Yeah. Because the question invariably comes down to areas that need to be improved or optimized in terms of their health, in terms of their biochemistry in terms of, you know, even if we're looking, you know, because for us, we 
do work on the we, we base we balance the, the the best of both worlds so to speak you know we look at the emotional aspect of the pattern we look at the physical aspect and and the self-care aspects but we also are blending that with the science you know my background i'm trained as i said as a naturopathic doctor i also have a master's in reproductive medicine and human genetics so really we look at both of those things and figure out okay well where is the intersection there what what is it that we need to do in order to ensure that we are giving couples the very best possible chance and that entails so many different aspects and things that will make a difference if people understand that they have to put in the work, you mm-hmm. know, and, and ultimately that's what it comes down to. But the possibilities are incredible in this day and age, you know, for couples who want to have a baby and overcome fertility problems or miscarriages, if they're willing to put in the work. Yeah. Okay. There's some of those um, aspects you were talking about just then, physical and emotional and so on. Are they your seven pillars that you've just mentioned? Well, with the seven step fertile method basically really focuses on all of the steps, you know, that we need to take couples through in order to be able to get, you know, the outcomes that they're looking for. And I share all this information on my website. So, you know, people can go on there and have a look. There's a whole section on the fertile method itself. Just talk so me through people, it briefly now, if you would, and I'll link to yeah, that in the show notes as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, for us, you know, what we're looking for is making sure that we are, in fact, let me just quickly bring it up so that you, we get it in the exact order because sometimes I get uh, my <laughs> orders mixed up, even though I've been doing it before. But, you know, what happens in terms of what people need to look at is that we, first and foremost, we are looking at the, the facts. You know, what are the facts? We want to fact find. We want to figure out. Because, you see, this is a problem that I often get and see for couples who are struggling with conception issues, is that they arrive at whatever point they are with a whole lot of baggage, so to speak, of the things they've done, the tests they've had, the things that they you know, tried that didn't work, all of that, which is fine and fair enough. And medical history is so important. But you see what happens when they're up to their second, third, fourth, fifth doctor, right? They have a whole lot of things that they bring to the table about, you know, oh yes, I've got this problem, this problem, this problem. And then the doctor who's seeing them, the fifth doctor who's seeing them, they basically tend to go by what they already know right, in terms of what's happening. They tend to go by, okay, well, we've done these tests, so we don't have to repeat them, even though they might have changed in the last four months. Um, We have done, we've looked at these other areas. Well, that wasn't a problem then, so let's not bother about working at it, you know, figuring out whether it's a problem now. You know, a good example of this is like thyroid, for example, right, Um, autoimmune antibodies that cause miscarriages. You know, all of these different little things that, Often a couple will go and have these things tested. If they're not normal for the, you know, the first time that they got tested, they will never be looked at again, mm. right? By subsequent doctors or practitioners that will take a look at them unless they do something like this, right? Where we're literally painstakingly clearing the slate and very systematically and very methodically looking at every single thing. Like even mm. though our patients will send us all of their test results, we go, yeah, great, that's fantastic. And we'll tabulate it all. Like we'll put it all onto a massive table so that we can see, okay, this is the history, this is where we're at, but we will just literally put that aside and we'll say, okay, based on what we know, right, in terms of their health, their current health, their current level of of everything in terms of their health, from biochemistry to energy to digestion to mental emotional aspects to, you know, you name it, every single aspect. We have a 47-page questionnaire that we get our patients to complete, right? Mm. And so we get really clear about, 
right now, what are the areas? What are the things that are affecting you? What are the symptoms? What are the issues? And with that information, we go, okay, now let's piece this puzzle together, right? Let's figure out, based on all of that, what is it that we actually need to question? What do we need to test further on? Mm. Because, sure, you have all of these things that you have done. They weren't a problem then, but you were a different person then too, right? Mm. And so we want to figure out, okay, what is happening now? So fact find is absolutely the very first thing. The second thing that we do is we educate them, right? Because if, we, if they don't understand this greater context, that I'm talking about, guess what? They're going to think that this is just like anything else that they've done, that they're just gonna go there, they're gonna have some tests done, and you know, they're probably gonna be told one or two things that they need to do and hope and pray for the best, mm. right? With their fingers crossed all the way, going, okay, this is essentially what we're gonna do. And, um, and ultimately that never works because they don't have the context to be able to understand that this is a journey, that they're going to need to really take the time to painstakingly, in some cases, go through every single aspect of what's going on. So that education is going to be absolutely paramount. Mm -hmm. Then we start to recommend, right? We start to look at what are the supplements, what are the herbs, what's the diet, what's the lifestyle, what are the day-to-day the -day things that we need to do, and that encompasses the treatment as well, that we need to do and put in place in order to make sure that they are getting the best possible result and the best possible outcome for mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Right. So that's going to be the, the really important part of and that we are constantly changing and fine tuning based on the results that their body's telling us is is coming back, you know, either via blood tests or, you know, any other kind of method of testing that we would be doing. But ultimately, that's all going to be a matter of, a, you know, a, a, a matter of looking at all of those areas and making sure that we are addressing them all in the way that's going to actually end up with giving us a result at the end of the day. And then finally, well, not finally, but the next thing that we then look at is incubation of that whole process. Because again, you can't expect, it takes 120 days for a single red, a red blood cell to be formed in the body, right? An mm -hmm. egg maturation cycle is basically double that. It's about eight months. So if one red blood cell takes 120 days, which is four months to mature, one egg, and women are typically born with all the eggs that they will ever have. We literally have a maturation cycle that happens in two stages. So from primordial follicle, which is the follicles that we were born with, they then go to primary follicle, which takes four months. From primary follicle to ovulatory follicle is another four months. Right? So in order for you to actually see the result of what you're doing today, it's going to really truly take about at least four months, if not mm -hmm. eight months. Mm. right to see a proper change and that's why people need to understand that whatever it is that they're doing if they think that they're going to do it for five minutes and it's just going to transform their results they're so very mistaken right and so that's why that whole incubation time is not only to help them to be able to get and and you know if we talk about also the the male side of the equation where sperm maturation cycle is about 100 days and for each sperm maturation cycle you might actually see a completely different picture in one cycle versus second cycle versus third cycle like when men come to us as part of a couple and they have uh, morphology issues or count issues or whatever it is that they have we often tell them we may see a result within the first sperm cycle, you know, but we may not. We may actually see that in that first sperm cycle because we are detoxifying, because we are changing biochemistry, because we are doing all of these things, we might even find that your sperm gets worse 
mm. before it gets dramatically better in that second cycle, maturation cycle, you know, of sperm. And so, you know, second and third sperm maturation cycles or formation cycles typically yield the very best results. And again, that's why that incubation period, you know, in the fertile method being the eye is so important because if we don't have that time for the things that we are wanting to see to work, it's like, you know, if you're growing grass and you're growing it from scratch, guess what? You're going to put little seeds on the ground. You're going to water every day. You're not going to see what's going on under the surface, but there's definitely going to be something going on. Mm. right and then all of a sudden one day after all of these weeks and you know however long it takes to grow grass um you start to see the, the, the germination you know that little the little green kind of sprigs coming out on the surface of of the soil and all of a sudden you go wow all of that hard work actually paid off mm. you know it actually yielded something and this is no different Right, it's a completely similar situation. Obviously, we're growing a baby, but um, you know, grass baby kind of, you know, <laughs> a little bit similar at times. Um, but you know, that's essentially what it comes down to. And then the, the 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 L in the fertile method is actually about liberation, because what happens for a whole lot of couples, and you might look at that and go, well, what how, what does that have anything to do with fertility? Well, it has a lot to do with fertility because couples who are going through fertility challenges they self-identify with the difficulty and the challenge that they're going through so much that often it can impact every aspect of who they are, you know, as a person, yeah. their, their self-esteem, their self-image, their relationship with their partner, every aspect. They question everything about who they are, their relationship, um, everything that is in their life as a result of this challenge that they're going through. And so part of our program, part of what we do in our program is actually completely, I almost, you know, I talk about this in a, in a, it's funny because even though this is a fertility program, really kind of deep down, it's so much about personal development because mm -hmm. if we don't address those emotional components that get in the way, people often stay struggling in infertility or lack of baby for such a long time due to fears, due to lots of different things, you know? So for us, that L, that liberate, that helping couples to live their best life now, not when, you know, they have a baby or not when things are perfect because truly things are never going to be perfect. You know, even when you have a baby, I mean, try having a baby who doesn't sleep for, you know, more than an hour to, you know, I had, I had a child, my first child, he literally, he slept for no more than 20 minutes to an hour and 20 minutes all the way through the day and night for the first eight months of, the, of his life. Oh, wow. Right? For the first eight months of his life, I got no more than 30 minutes of sleep, full stop, you know, in a row. And literally at the end of that, I was so, I was so broken, <laughs> you know, I was so ready to just go, okay, like, take me, take me away. <laughs> Whatever institution is going to let me have sleep. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I and, um, yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's really interesting because we often feel like, you know, once, and I even, I talked to, to a couple this morning that they were, they were in this kind of mindset and I had to kind of shake them out of it a little bit and tell them that, Hey, no, don't think that when you have a baby, everything's going to be perfect and your relationship is miraculously going to improve because it's not, it's mm -hmm. actually going to put a pressure and a, um, amount and a level of um, extra complexity that you don't even realize 
until now. I was, uh, it's funny because I was also talking to another patient of mine today and she's had her children now. She's, you know, she, we were talking about, it, about something completely different. And what was fascinating with her, and I said to her, you know, Mars, if you were to have your time again, do you understand that you would have, you know, do, do, can you see now how everything that you have gone through has actually been so perfect to set you up for all the things that you have learned and done and being able to achieve as a result of that challenge? She goes, oh my God, I could not be, I would never, first of all, I would not be the same person without it. I could not be more grateful for what happened. She had a lot of challenges and, you know, she was complete. She was telling me like, you know, I am so grateful because even just from the things that I learned about how to manage my stress, my anxiety, my, you know, just general well-being. I would have never had that if I didn't do this or if I didn't experience this. Mm. And for me, I would have been in a situation of thinking that, oh, you know, having babies is so easy and I just would have taken it for granted. Mm. You know, I wouldn't have appreciated mm. it as much as I do now. So I think that there's so much, you know, in, in that that couples sometimes um, – lose sight of and I know that it's so hard when you are in the situation and you're having challenges conceiving it is literally the last time that you want to the last thing that you want to hear mm-hmm. you know that oh you know be grateful for what you got or whatever because it's yeah. you know, just most people feel that that's kind of being quite dismissive but truly if we look at it for, for the reality of what it is and what it can provide it's an incredible blessing mm-hmm. that we have to be able to know how to tap you know, and if we know how to tap and utilize it, and that's what that L is all about, then it can be incredibly transformational. Mm-hmm. And then the final step is the end result, right? And the end result looks very different for different people, right? Some people, it looks like a baby and that's wonderful and that's great. Some people decide that after they've gone through a whole lot of things that they don't want a baby anymore that they feel like, you know what, I've done all these things, I've learned so many things, I actually feel complete within myself, I feel whole, I feel okay, I, feel, I don't feel like I need to continue constantly and consistently striving towards this goal that I used to think would make me happy and that I had to have in order to be a person who's complete. So, you know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes people and relationships completely break down, right? And they feel and they see that actually they were together for a reason, up until a point and that they decide that it's no longer what they want, you know, so that end result really can be very different depending on the couples. For the majority of couples, you know, we know that the people who implement the education pieces that we put in place and that we put together, they 78.4% of people take home healthy babies, right? And so that's 78.4. Yeah. But we also know that there's all of those people who don't, Mm. right? And for those people, that end result is so important if the L, the liberate, is already in place, right? Because if that's not in place, then it it can be quite traumatic, you know, for for people. But if they've worked through their issues and their things that they needed to work through and they, they needed to actually improve in the process about themselves, about their situation and everything else, it, it, that end result looks very you know, amazing no matter what, mm. right? No matter whether the baby is a part of it or not. And yeah. I think that's a really cool thing, you know, about this whole process at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I agree. And do you know what, listening to you, to, you speak there, what we do is actually very, very similar somebody presents and they've got some challenges around their health, which is essentially around their fertility and for whatever it is, you know, we have a six signals methodology. We look at your sleep, your mental health, your energy, your body composition, your digestion, your fitness. Mm-hmm. And I guess in some ways that's what you're doing as well. 
which are yeah, I mean, absolutely. The in terms, in fact, you know, the eleven pillars, which is the foundation of our method, that's where we look at all of those things. You know, we've yeah. got diet and fluid intake, we've got you know, exercise and sleep and stress, nutritional supplementation, environmental factors and challenges. You know, mind body alignment, which is looking at that whole biochemistry and how every place within the body is actually working together mm. or not right to yield an outcome and how we need to change that so looking then at obviously male reproductive health and female reproductive health and if we look at that you know in fact you know, the fact that in in those 11 pillars um only two of them are actually related to reproductive health whereas you know in the medical model the entire model is related to mostly and primarily female reproductive health yes. and then the yeah. male kind of gets to do his thing in a cup and you know just let's get a kind of get it over and done with so it's a little bit um it's it, it's not it's incomplete but mm. you know then obviously we also look at the mind over matter aspects and the family foundations because i find that that conversation that we were just having before where couples sometimes feel that if only they had a baby everything would be perfect right needs to be expanded into okay well let's look at what that looks like in terms of having a baby and what are the foundational aspects that we need to put in place from a resilience perspective, from an emotional perspective, from a mental health perspective that are going to make a difference when that baby do, does finally arrive. And depending on the situation, you know, the challenges of becoming new parents is real, right? And so to be able to help people to better prepare mentally, emotionally, physically, for that next stage as well is such an important aspect of what this process does. Tell me a bit more about that, because one of the things, I don't have children, um, but most of my friends do, most of our clients do. One of the things I've always found very funny is when somebody has a child, irrespective of how they've come about that, that child, they'll say, do you know what, I had no idea it was going to be so difficult. Even though all you ever hear is about how difficult it is, how little sleep you'll get and how little time you'll have and how little energy you'll have. Yeah. Still, I think people in their heart parts think it won't be like that for me. And then... A hundred percent. So how do you prepare people for, you know, it is, for having it is a child? The, it is the funniest and best thing I have heard, Leanne, because here's the thing. I remember so clearly and so categorically one night at two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning crying my eyes out, literally bawling. Like I was like, like literally just go why didn't people warn me this was going to be so hard? <laughs> and you know, literally I spent like about half an hour on that why question, you know, like why didn't they tell me why, 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 why is this so difficult? Why didn't they prepare me for this? And then after I kind of got off my little tantrum, right, it hit me, literally just kind of went like, whoa, hang on a second. They did tell me, they did, yeah. but I did not believe that that was going to happen to me. Yeah. You know, like here I was, I had already done, I think my, my eldest son is five, right? So I had already, by the time I had a baby, I had what, 15 years, 14, 15 years under my belt in clinical practice, hadn't seen thousands of people, right? And being able to fix most things, right? <laughs> and feeling quite accomplished with myself <laughs> in that. And, uh, and then, and quite successful in what I did and, and all of that. And then all of a sudden I have this thing that I have no idea <laughs> what I do with it, you know? And it's not the thing of having, you know, the baby, it was like this situation that I had mm. no idea how to handle because I was not the person at that point. Like if I had that happen again now, easy, 
right? Because I've stretched. It's almost like every, every challenge that we go through, we stretch and we grow. And then the next time you go through that challenge, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, fine. You know, mm. like you just stretch and grow even more. But it's funny because it, people do, they do warn you. And it's just that people do not believe that it's going to apply to them. You know, it's that whole thing of like, you know, why do people smoke? Because they don't think that they're the ones that are going to end up with lung cancer or heart disease or yeah. you know, they think that it's going to happen to somebody else, but definitely not them. Mm. So I think that's, a, I think that's, that's the reason because yeah. I, I remember that day. I remember that day to this day. <laughs> how, how do you prepare people then? What do you, what do you say to warn them of the challenges that are, that are coming ahead? Well, you know, I think that it's almost a retrospective kind of, preparation in the case of the patients that we work with because they know what it's like to struggle through infertility through miscarriage through stillbirth through childbirth you know child death to you know through all of those things like our patients come to us they've they've experienced some really tough things you know and so they have a level of understanding of what challenge is all about right and throughout our program I know that for some people, it can sometimes sound a little bit disheartening, but, you know, we do have the emotional component of what we do. I've, I've talked to them about it. I've, I've, I'm real with them about this, you know, and they go through um, parts of, of the, the program that we run. There's a series of little mini programs mm. that they are able to take part of and do. And so there's mini programs that they can participate in. So when I know that they're struggling with a particular thing, I then go, okay, I need you to go and do that little program I needed to go and do you know and in that I dive into and address that whole conversation in depth and in a whole lot of you know like with all with all its its lights and lack of glory um, <laughs> so that they they get an understanding of what something is is about but also I get them to do exercises around it you know like to think about think on paper I think thinking on paper is such a great thing because often when we kind of just in passing think about something that either we feel impacts us or doesn't impact us it's different from when you actually visually see it on paper and you can actually do you know like if you're doing a plan about anything if you just do it in your head you're going to have so much of a plan but if you actually put it down on paper and every day you come to it and you look at it and you address it adjust it tweak here tweak there make additions here make additions there you end up with something that looks much more robust and that has serves a much greater purpose, mm. right? And so a lot of what we do in terms of our patients is actually get them to think on, think on paper, right? Mm. We give them exercises, we give them things that I, and I tell them specifically, I don't want you to think about this, I want you to actually write about this mm. or, you know, put something down because in doing that, they, you know, people talk about writing being the doing part of, of thinking, right? And, and it really does, it's that whole... Um, neuro kind of you know that brain aspect of getting something physically done when you are actually implementing a plan so that's a, I think a really important part of the process and a lot of our patients tell us that they get so much out of that mm. cool okay um, we've got uh, do you have another sort of seven eight minutes yeah no problem cool. great sure. um, I'd really like to talk if somebody's listening and they are about to undergo some fertility treatment or they are thinking, thinking that that might be their route or they're just thinking about getting pregnant. Mm. Let's leave it at that, actually. You're just thinking about getting pregnant, irrespective of how that might, might occur. What are some of the things that people can go out and do right now, men and women, 
to start getting their bodies into that healthy shape? Great. That's a fantastic question. And I get that question so often. And in fact, the whole, you know, the fertility challenge, which is the free event that I was talking about before, Mm. it literally addresses exactly that in over a 12 day period where it's a free event. People can come on and they learn a whole lot of things about what they can do, what they can implement, how to implement it. And, you know, the things that make a difference in terms of conception. So if people are trying to conceive or having difficulties conceiving, that would actually be the first thing that I would suggest. And that's online, I guess. It's all online yeah. and it's free, right? Yeah, and I think, the show notes. Yeah, and the next one is coming up in, in April. So, you know, people can definitely participate and join there. But in terms of, of thinking about it and talking about it here, I want to talk and I want to I answer this question in a little bit of an analogy, okay? And here's what I want people to think about. And I want the men to indulge me on this one for mm. a moment as well because, you know, fertility is absolutely a team sport. There is mm. no way that a woman can do all of what needs to be done right, in order to have a baby on their own. And so what happens is that if we don't have the healthiest possible sperm, we're going to end up with a problem at the end of the day. Like 40% of fertility problems are to do with female factor, 40% are to do with male factor, 20% is to do with, uh, you know, idiosyncratic and just kind of general idiopathic reasons. Mm -hmm. And so, which is just environmental and lifestyle and, you know, all of those different types of things. So basically what happens is that if we're not working, and by the way, the same ratio applies to when people are having difficulties with keeping a healthy pregnancy to term. A lot of times the problem that couples have is not so much about getting pregnant, it's staying pregnant and having a healthy baby. And Mm. a lot of times people don't realize that that actually is also a fertility problem. Okay. Mm. They think it's, it's just, no, hang on, I'm, I'm getting pregnant, but well, the fact that you're getting pregnant and you're not taking home a healthy baby, that still constitutes as a fertility problem. Mm. Okay. So here's how I want people to think about this. And as I said before, the men need to indulge me here for a moment because they're going to find this a little bit strange. But if you were to close your eyes for a moment, right, just do that for now. Just close your eyes. And if you're a man, just go along with this for a little second. You want me to close mine? Go, go for yeah, it. I want you to think about it because then you will internal, you will actually see what, um, what the listeners are, are going to be experiencing as we're doing this, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, let's imagine right now that you were pregnant. And the men need to do the same, okay? So they need to think that it was possible <laughs> for a man to get pregnant and be able to have a baby. I know that our population would dramatically decrease if that was the case, <laughs> right? But, <laughs> but let's just, you know, imagine that that is possible. And I'm just joking, men. I know that you're very tough and everything. But um, just imagine that for a moment that you were able to get pregnant and have a, a, a baby. And in fact, that you were pregnant right this second, right? So right now within you, you have this little life that is developing and growing and you know becoming uh, a part of this world so to speak right what are all of the things if you were pregnant right now and you had this little baby growing inside you what are all of the things that you would start doing right now like just think about it for a minute and just kind of make a, a mental list right of all of the things that you would start doing, you might start, you know, eating better and exercising more or sleeping more or taking nutrients or whatever it is. Uh, So make that list. And next to that list, I want you to make another list of what are all of the things that you would absolutely 100% stop doing. No matter what, if you were pregnant right now and you wanted the best outcome for this baby, what are the things that you would absolutely stop doing? Right, so again, make that mental list for yourself, 
right? And here's what I want you to remember and here's what I want you to understand. Every single thing that you would stop doing and that you would start doing prior, in fact, whilst you're pregnant with that baby, you would need to start and stop doing prior to conception and getting pregnant with that baby and taking that baby or that healthy pregnancy to term, Mm -hmm. right? Because ultimately, and now you can think about it in those terms, you can go, oh, wow, okay, I understand. Like I would actually stop smoking, drinking alcohol, you know, like doing all of these things that I know are not good for me that I would do it just kind of as a natural course because whatever, right? But if I was pregnant right now, would I be doing that? Immediately, people would just be going like, no, I can't because I need to protect this little baby, Mm. right? And so what happens, and this is what a lot of people don't quite understand, is that right now, right now, 50% of that healthy little baby that you want to create is within you right this second. Mm. So if you want to protect and create that life and create that ultimate outcome, you need to begin doing and stop doing the things that ultimately is going to give you the healthiest and best possible outcome in terms of having a baby. Does that make sense? Yeah, perfect sense. Yeah. So I think that for each person, it's a little bit individual because, you know, each person knows their pitfalls. Each person knows the things that they're going to be doing as a general rule. Everything that you would do if you were pregnant right now is what you would do. And the things that you would stop doing are the things that you would stop doing. Right. And everyone can go home and, or if they're listening, you know, at home, they can just get a piece of paper out and start to write down the list of what it is that they need to start doing, stop doing. But ultimately, you know, if we think in terms of fertility as a team sport and they have to be working together as a team and there is no such thing as, oh, she's going to carry the baby and therefore I can keep drinking and smoking. It's going to be fine because Mm -hmm. it's not going to be fine. 50% of that DNA is actually going to come from the person who's saying that, right? And so ultimately, it's not going to be okay. Also, a really interesting thing, and this is just an interesting thing that a lot of times people don't think about. Women, when they get to a certain age, they'll go to a doctor and they will say, look, you know, we're having difficulties conceiving. We've been trying for however long. Uh, I'm 40 or I'm whatever. And the doctor's going to say, well, you know, it's probably your eggs, they're old, right? Mm -hmm. And women who have had challenges and, you know, or have experienced miscarriages in the past, they will be, this is something that they will hear very frequently. What is not told to them, and the men just kind of walk away just going, well, there's nothing wrong with me, I'm fine, she's Mm -hmm. the problem, or eggs are the problem, and that's, you know, perfect, and that's fine. Well, actually, it's not, because here's the thing. The egg does an incredible amount of work to improve and optimize the damage in a sperm DNA in order for the embryo to be able to actually be a viable embryo, right? And so what happens when the egg may be struggling and may be, I guess, uh, in lesser health than ideally it would be, one, you can optimize the health of that egg, but you can only do that to a certain point and the egg cannot perform miracles, Right? If the sperm DNA is not as healthy as it possibly needs to be, the egg won't be able to do all of the work in fixing that sperm DNA. Mm. But if the man steps up and does the work and improves his health, his sperm condition and everything else, all of a sudden the egg has a much lesser load to work on. Therefore, it can use its energy for what it needs to do in order to actually develop an embryo and not have to fix the DNA of the sperm. And everything actually all of a sudden works miraculously and perfectly as it should have. 
to begin with. And the egg age hasn't changed, right? Mm. But the quality of both the egg and sperm have. Yeah. I think and that's that, a really important point because I think one of the things that is underappreciated is the important, you know, that the male, male's reproductive health and general health as important as the woman's. It's, it's, I love the expression, it's a team sport. Yeah. Um, the last thing I just wanted to ask you about is I have observed this in a lot of, of cases with people I know, um, is that once somebody's got pregnant, there tends to be a lot of, of um, they tend to relax about what they're eating. Mm. Uh, mm. I'm not a nutritional therapist, but I know quite a lot about nutrition and the importance of it. And I know that it's very important as a baby is growing and developing within the womb, that what the mother eats, in this case, it is on the mum at this point, mm. absolutely mm. vital to the health of that baby. Can you just, mm. just to finish off, just talk a bit about that? Oh, look, you know, we found, we're doing a, uh, we actually, it's quite funny, but we're, we're starting a podcast soon, which is going to be all on, literally, it's just going to be questions that people ask oh, and the right. research. What's the show so, called? Well, it's called Fertility Redefined. It hasn't launched yet, but it will. Okay. And it's literally going to be evidence-based fertility, right? So everything that people need to, uh, or people, everything that people ask and what is the research saying, okay? Or what does the research say? In terms of that particular topic and one of the really interesting things that came up was that um, the in terms of uh, nutrition in terms of fetal nutrition when a fetus is not given the appropriate nutrition that it needs to develop and form and grow and you know mature in the way that it needs to and and that is to do with you know the the the, the maternal nutrition and what a woman is eating throughout that pro that process but also interestingly it has to do with the health of the sperm in the beginning as well mm -hmm. but what was fascinating about this particular study is that it was able to actually show through embryonic biochemistry how the impact of lack of nutrition in embryo in utero has an impact later on a person's uh, risk of developing cardiovascular disease mm. and the study literally concluded that you know embryonic nutrition or lack of nutrition is directly linked to cardiovascular disease and a person's uh, shortened life as a result of that incorrect nutrition in in. Do you know intro. what that study was called? And I, can I, I I do have it, and I can. I'm more than happy to uh, pass it on to you. I'll have my my research assistant dig it up for us. Yeah, that would be great. I yeah, but essentially, really there is so much, and there is so much. You know, we we came across another study that was talking about the other day, and I'm just trying to recall, but I can also pass this on to you. Um, a um, study where they were talking about the importance and, and the health of the sperm specifically. And the fact that men who had less, you know, either morphology issues or count issues were more likely to obviously have kids that had a higher predisposition to cancers in life, later in life. Right. And other conditions as well, other diseases. But cancer was a big predominant one in regards to this. And so, you know, we underestimate the impact that, a healthy lifestyle diet and you know a healthy environment in general can have on the ability of not only getting pregnant keeping a healthy pregnancy to term and having a healthy baby and a healthy child yeah. you know and i think that one of the things that is so very important and I, this is a pet peeve of mine right it, which is when a baby is born all of a sudden even when the mother has been so perfect and eating so well and doing all of the things all of a sudden it's okay to just give complete rubbish to a child to mm. eat, 
mm. right? Um, parents who basically, you know, look, and, and again, I'm not saying this from a judgmental perspective, but I know personally how hard it is to make a child eat salad, yeah. right? <laughs> because my two-year-old yesterday made me feed him for an hour and a half because he was taking the like the smallest, tiniest little bites of salad because it wasn't his preferred thing. Mm -hmm. And it's not like he doesn't, you know, he gets it. He gets some kind of vegetable, at least five different types of vegetables in every meal, right? And so it's not like he's not used to do it, to eating it, but mm -hmm. there are days and there are days, there are days that he's perfect and he will just go, yeah, just give it to me. There are days that he's like, you know what? I'm going to make you work for this. Right. And it's not necessarily because he's not hungry. He's hungry. It's dinner time. He hasn't had anything else, but it's like, well, I'm not going to eat. And what a lot of parents do, you know, this is what happens. They go and prepare the second, the third, the fourth different meal. Right. And all of a sudden they end up with, at the end of the day, they're over it and they just end up with, you know, butter and toast and just mm -hmm. have something to eat so that you don't, don't go to bed, bed hungry. The philosophy that I have as a mother <laughs> is kind of the opposite of that, you know, like this is your food. It's organic. It's amazing. It's delicious. And you're going to eat it. And if you don't, you're going to go home to bed hungry. Mm. Right. And my kids just know, like, there's no, there's no discussion. This is just what you're going to eat. This yeah. is what you're given. If you don't want it, that's fine, but you're not getting anything else either. Yeah. Right? And I think that sometimes parents have a, a hard time kind of, you know, um, walking that tough line because they feel that, oh my God, but my kid's going to starve. And trust me, they're not going to starve, mm -hmm. right? And ultimately, if you know that it's going to make a difference for their entire life down the track, like, are you going to do this? A hundred percent. Yeah. Right? And that, so that that's why... Be that's something I think that we there needs to be greater visibility of is the relationship between um, the the effects on DNA of what the mother eats when the child's in the, in the womb and we know about nutrition I think intellectually most people know that we need to have lots of vegetables and some fruits and good quality grass-fed animal protein in moderation etc cetera, etc cetera. but I think mm. it's less appreciated that the impact that, that that can have on on DNA and as you say risk of cardiovascular disease and other things um, and 100% yeah, I'll link to the Dutch famine study, which showed the effects of what mothers were eating on their children's DNA. Yeah. And I, I think just, just to kind of cap off, really, you've given us so much information. I'm mindful of your time, and I know it's evening there for you, and you want to crack on. So we'll wrap up. But it, it, I think if, we, if, if men and women can understand that in this, if I said to you, right, nine months' time we're doing a marathon, almost certainly you'd want to have a conversation about a training plan. And yes. Oh, I would. But when... I, I, Sometimes, you know, you talk about want, wanting to conceive a child, that's obviously going to be a nine-month eventuality as well. There's not always a thought of, well, how do I get fit for the rigours of childbirth to a conceiving and, and of carrying that child to determine having a smoother birth as possible. It's exactly the same thing. You've got to work on your body. You've got to work on all hundred percent. Look at it holistically. So Yeah, yeah. And I think you're so right, you know, Len. It's, it's, it's so little gets when people are not struggling and this is actually why we ended up um you know as as a practice um so many years ago now decided that you know what we want to work and we want to specialize in difficult cases mm -hmm. because those people were the people who are willing to do what it takes yeah you know the people who haven't struggled who you know they've been trying for five minutes they are so unwilling to actually really look unless they're very proactive people mm -hmm. right like if they're really proactive i have people that are very proactive and they come to me because they're like you know what I just want to know that I'm doing absolutely everything I can 
that I'm optimizing every chance that I have. I want to have, I want to have a baby quickly. I want to have it easily. I want to have a, a healthy child. So yes, I want in because these are the, my reasons, but the vast majority of people, they really will be like, it's going to be like pulling teeth mm. for them to adjust their, their diet, their lifestyle, their environment, because they feel, well, what's, you know, not, ain't broken, right? Yeah. Why fix it? But it's the wrong attitude. It's the wrong approach because what we do, and this has been publicized in the media now for, you know, months and months and probably in the last couple of years quite frequently, but, you know, the, the, our health is now, we understand that is almost dictated by what our grandparents did yep. uh, in regards to their health. But you see, here's the thing. In our grandparents' days, they didn't have anywhere near the amount of chemicals and toxins yeah. and issues, radiation and, you know, yeah. all of the things that mobile we now phones. have, mobile phones, you know, all the things that we now have that dramatically impact our health. Mm -hmm. And so the health of our two generations from now of our grandchildren, right, is going to be incredibly different if we don't do something about this now, if yeah. we don't wake up and realise that, hang on a second, if we don't change this, the, the rate of infertility is only increasing. Yeah. Now one in six couples is infertile. Ha um, sperm count has halved in the, in the 50 years prior to the 1990s, right? We know that there is an issue. We know that unless we do something, we are going to end up in serious problems. Mm -hmm. And here's the other thing, IVF, as fantastic as it is, if couples don't address the issues and the reasons as to why they're not able to conceive, it's just perpetuating infertility, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And so this is something that we need to be understanding about as well. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what you've just touched on something. It's a much broader conversation we don't have time for now. But I know um, quite a number of men in the health, fitness and wellbeing space that will not carry a mobile phone in their pockets. Yeah, and they shouldn't. They tent. never should. They, if they do, some of them will have a phone on flight mode most of the time. But anyway, it's a whole separate discussion. But mm. um, So I want to thank you for your time. It's been really, really interesting. And I know there's going to be a lot of, a lot of people who get some, a huge amount of value from this. We, you've kindly offered to do a Facebook Live to take questions. Um, so I will uh, put that in the introduction in case people haven't yeah. all the way through. Um, and then we can set that up. When are you looking to launch your podcast? Well, at the moment, we have a date of the 1st of May. Okay. All right, cool. So we'll help you sort of publicize that as well. Where can people get hold of you and where can they learn more about the Fertility Challenge? Yeah, so if they go to the website, which is naturalfertilitybreakthrough.com, yeah, so well, we'll link it to in the show notes. Um, yeah, and uh, and that's basically on the on the front page. They'll be able to get all the information about you know the homepage. They'll be able to get all the information about the challenge and anything else you yeah. know that they're interested in. Okay, brilliant, um, Gabriella. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, help us to reach more people by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate that and it would help us to spread the good word even further. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on the next show.